Right. Well, I want us to get right in uh, this morning to what the Lord has for us today. And this is a, uh, a pivotal point for, the, for our church, for this body, the direction that God has us going right now, the things that he's speaking to this body. Um, what we're saying right now, what we're, you can't hear me? Okay. We're going to have to do something, I guess. He's working on it. It's coming. Um, it, it's, it's, every word that we speak right now is so significant. I mean, I have prayed through this week. I've, I, I struggled this week of what to say just from, because there's so much that the Lord keeps filling me with. And then some of you have been sending me stuff that, you know, I'm, uh, that has helped me. But also just, uh, man, it's just so much. God is speaking so much right now. And so I, I hope that you'll pray with me, that, you're, that you will fight with me this morning to hear the message, to receive what it is that God has for us. Thanks, Mike. Um, to work past distractions, okay? By the way, there's, there's chairs up a little closer if y'all need to. If, I know some of you have kids you've got to take care of, but if you, can, if you want to move up closer, you can. But these words that, uh, and I was just thinking as we, were, as we were singing that song of walking with God and how good a father he is and that he walks with us through life. He doesn't just give us um, principles to follow and then leave us on our own. And, and, and for some of us, I don't know how, how long for you, for me, definitely for a long period of time in my life, I never really realized that God was personal and real and wanted to speak moment by moment in my life and guide my steps and give me wisdom on how to respond to things and how to make sense of the craziness of circumstances that are going on. But we know that as a church. We know that God is real, that he's personal. We know that he's, we, we have taught, been taught by the Lord and, and, and we are in agreement together as a body. This, we're like-minded in this way that God speaks and he walks with us personally through life. And there's not any circumstance that we face that God's not ready to speak to, that he's not in control of, that he's not walking with us through, that he's not leading us through. And so we need to hear that today. Um, I don't know when it was for the disciples that they made sense of the fact that Jesus was more than just your typical rabbi. I don't know when they realized that they were actually walking with God. Uh, and I don't know when it's going to be for us that we realize that we are actually walking with God. That we are walking with Him through life. That we are never alone. That there's never anything that comes into our life that He is not told, wasn't already aware of before it happened and has not already prepared us for. And that He's not fixing to make sense of and use to it to the fullest to accomplish His purpose in our life, which is His glory our joy, our abundant life, our blessing, that we would be more in love with him, more determined to walk with him, all of that would happen, that we would find out more about what life's about, that ultimately we would have more peace in life, more joy, even in sorrow, that, it, that all of a sudden everything starts making sense. I don't know when that happened for the disciples. But it's interesting that this week, one of the things I am going to share today that's not the sermon, but I've got to start with this because it's a word for God, from God for us. Y'all ready for it? Say, oh yeah. 
Okay, your spirit's ready to receive this, not just your ears. Will sent a text this week, I think, to the elders. And I hadn't read the, read the Moravians yet that morning, but I, I read, some of us are reading these uh, somewhat random readings, but the, the, the group of Moravians prayed for years and, and prayed and read Scripture together, and it's all it is is Scripture. But it's, it's certain Scriptures, and, you, and if you stay with the Moravians, you read through the whole Bible in a year. But it's never random. It's amazing how many times the Lord just speaks specifically. But on, in a week where we have now two of our members who have been diagnosed with cancer, we have one of our members whose baby has been diagnosed prematurely, I believe, with a rare chromosome problem, where our church is flooded and, and uh, filled with water. And numerous people, numerous, some of you know who you are, have come to me this past week with tragic circumstances in your life, tragic by the, world's, by the world's measure, not by God's, and not by yours. Tragic things, horrible circumstances that would, that would throw so many people who say they are believers and walk with God. So many would be thrown by this. It's, it's piling up. And I know you won't remember this until I say it. But the verse that, uh, the passage that Will gave us was the story of when Jesus calmed the storm. Y'all remember that? Jesus sends the disciples across the lake in, in a boat and then a storm comes up. And Jesus is, no, he's with them. He sleeps in the bottom of the boat. And they wake him up, freaking out. And we've always told that story. I've always told that story as an isolated story. Like it just happened, and here's all the lessons that come from it. But I had never, until we went through the Jesus is Enough series, we were walking through the Gospels. You remember when we came to that story, that God showed us that there was a whole lot of activity that happened prior to that experience that showed that God knew it was coming, and he was preparing the disciples to have the best experience possible of taking knowledge from their head and putting it into their life. All right, let me help you remember some of the things we said. First of all, he had the parable of the sower. What's the parable of the sower? The parable of the sower is the sower went out to sow seed, and it falls on all different types of soil. And Jesus tells this parable to the disciples, and he teaches it in their presence, so they hear this parable. And the, the, the seed is what? Anybody know? Come on, church. The Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. So the Word of God goes out and it falls on different types of soil. And Jesus is saying this in the, in the hearing of the disciples. All right, so there's this word that, that ultimately they want to fall among the good, in the good soil and they want to be good soil. And he's talking about different kinds of people. Right after that, he tells the disciples that there's mysteries of the Word, uh, there's mysteries of God that he wants to reveal to the disciples. That they can understand, but other people will not understand. Because they have a relationship with God, with Jesus, because they're walking with him, they will understand some mysteries about God that the rest of the world will not understand. Okay, so there's, there's truth that's been put in their heads, and then he tells them there's mysteries that you're going to understand that other people can't understand. He says, to you it has been given the ability to understand these things. Now, here's, what, here's what's true. We hear and we understand. 
All of us do. We respond as though we believe his message. But Jesus tells them, he says, pay attention to what you hear. Literally, this is the word, this is what it means. Be ready to learn about future dangers with the implication of preparedness to respond appropriately. All right, all this is happening in the same day. He tells them about the word. He tells them there's mysteries that God wants to give them that gets out of their head and into their life that they really understand the mysteries of God that other people will not understand. He said, be ready. He says, because pay attention. Pay attention, church. All right? What does he mean by that? Not just hear it. He means pay attention to what, I'm about, what you're about to experience because there's something coming in your future that's going to help you to make sense of the things that are in your head. That's going to take those things, this experience in the future is going to take those things out of your head and put them into your heart and into the reality of your life. Y'all remember us talking about that now? I hope you do. But if you don't, it doesn't, it, I understand that. But I think today you understand it. Because what happens after that is then they have this experience where Jesus sends them out on the sea knowing that they're going to have this storm come up. He knew it all the time. He put truth in their head that would simmer in their head for a little bit and they might even be proud that they know this truth and we're going to know the mysteries that nobody else is going to know but they don't know this. That there's a storm coming. And when that storm happens, that's necessary and that's what's going to make that mystery come to life in their, in their hearts and in their world. That all of a sudden everything's going to change and it does. What happens? On the heels of that experience with Jesus, the disciples said, who is this? That the wind and the waves obey what he says. It finally clicked for them. They're walking with God. I, I hope we understand that, guys. You know, when I, when I drove up here the other day and I saw this water coming out of the doors, thank you, Damien, for letting us know. <laughs> when I saw that water coming out of the doors, man, I thought, truth is fixing to come to life. This stuff that we've been putting in our heads, we're about to find out one way or the other. We're either going to run away from it or we're going to walk right in the middle of it and we're going to find out what all this stuff we've been putting in our head is about. We're fixing to experience it and walk it out. We're fixing to know that we know that we know that God is real, that he's faithful, that he's powerful, that he's loving, that he's caring. All those things, we're about to experience all of that. I don't know how yet. I just know we're fixing, we're, we are in the storm right now, and the storm is still growing. I don't say that. If, you, if you're responding in fear to that, then that fear is going to be taken away through some circumstance in the near, in the near future. Either for you personally or, or for us as a body, you're fixing to experience God in a way, in a storm that's going to take you into the reality of the truth we've been talking about since this church started. God is real and he's personal. And we have to make this transition. We've got to make this transition. It's what this is about today. It's what our message is about. It's what our next, uh, the rest of this series is about, being a community that blesses. If we don't know the blessing that we have in God, if it's just in our heads and not in our lives and we're not convinced of it and we're not walking in relation to the truth of it, then the world around us is not going to get it. We're just more people, more religious people flapping our jaws holding our big books, talking about principles. Man, if we're, not, if we're not filled with this truth and it's not affecting us, 
then we're not ready yet. But I would argue with you guys today that we are ready. I would argue that we're at a place as a church, as feeble as this little group looks like in this fellowship hall, as small as we look, as tiny as we are, I would argue with you, I argue with anybody that this group is ready. That our church is ready to walk with God in the next phase of what it is He wants to do in this community. That at some point in history, uh, or when, we're, when we go to be with God in heaven, that He's going to unfold, He's going to show us the truth of what we've experienced and we're going to see that what we're about to experience was what all of this has been about. See, God has not finished with us yet. God is not even really, He is just setting the stage for what's coming. And the truth, that was true for the disciples. They didn't realize that all that they experienced with Jesus, with Jesus was just setting the stage for God's final plan of what would be accomplished in the world. It's setting the stage. So we're going to read that today. We're going to study that today. Setting the stage. When I started thinking about this title today, about setting the stage for becoming a community that blesses, I thought about my son who's... Uh, by the way, some of this, will, this will take care of the problem. Some of you always ask, or different ones of you, ask me what Todd's doing. Todd is, he, uh, he, he basically, he's working for a rigging company. They set up stages. Uh, these huge, and they, you know, some of the permanent stages like theaters, and then some of it's uh, like, like the Coliseum, you know, stuff that's permanent, stuff that's temporary. They do staging for uh, pageants and whatever else. And then, you know, he's also working for uh, Martina McBride occasionally gets on the, on the bus with them and goes and sets up everything for them. But I, I think about Todd, and I think about Mar- thought this morning about Martina McBride. When she goes to set up a concert, she, first of all, she doesn't go to set up a concert, right? But she's already done the work ahead of time. I don't know if any of you have ever watched Michael Jackson's video of his last, the preparation for his last tour. Uh, that movie, you know, that, it's a documentary about his life. But anyway, it talks about that, the, just the preparation that goes into a tour. I mean, that the actual artists have to get busy. The band, everybody does all their prep ahead of time. They know what's coming. And they know exactly what they need, where they need it, when they need it. And so the stage crew goes ahead of time and they set the stage up so that when it's time for the concert, everything falls exactly the way it needs to fall. The instrument's where it needs to be. The mic's where it needs to be. The, the band is ready. The sound is set. Uh, the lights are all in place on the right par- portions of the stage and everything works like clockwork because the stage is set. In relation to the disciples, if we just went through the, the Gospels and talked about their relationship with Jesus and all these encounters that Jesus had with people. Now we're coming into the book of Acts and we're going to study the book of Acts. That's going to be our next book study. And today we're going to begin this study. But the beginning of the book of Acts is, is setting the stage for what we're living in today. But the disciples were, Jesus was working with the disciples to set the stage for what was coming when the Holy Spirit would come into the world. He's setting the stage. He's doing, he's doing specific things to, to get the disciples ready to walk in the Holy Spirit in a way that would change the entire world, would ultimately even make its way down to us, where millions and millions, billions of people would come to Christ because Jesus sets the stage right. And I want to talk about that today. I want us, I want us to just walk through the, the first chapter of the book of Acts and, and, and hit on some points that, again, I hope you're, gonna, you're ready to make application, man. This is so real for us. 
Because when I was walking through these things and God showed me that it was a preparation, I, I looked at our church and our history. I've been here since the beginning of this church. I mean, the whole church, the, the gathering place. And since the beginning, God has been preparing us for this moment. In the same way, we're going to find ourselves in this story. We're going to find ourselves as the disciples, walking with Jesus in this preparation, hearing what he says, and we'll have an application to make at each one of those. I'll share with you some of the things that God's done in this body as we have experienced this exact same experience with the Holy Spirit, preparing us to be a, a community that blesses. So what, uh, we're going to begin in Acts chapter 1. Let's read the passage. Verses 1 through 5. In my former book, this is Luke, by the way, writing. So he's talking about his formal, for, uh, former book, the Gospel of Luke. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. All right, so here's, here's the instructions. Here's the, the setting the stage. Jesus, these are the things that Jesus did to set the stage. It says, Jesus completed... Uh, I'm sorry, let me pick up where I was. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist uh, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's stop there for a minute. Let's look at how Jesus is setting the stage for a spiritual awakening, for literally a, an explosion of spiritual life that's going to fill people, that ultimately will fill people in such a way that it will be passed to nations and go across the world and never end. First of all, Jesus gave the disciples evidences, our proofs that he was alive. He gave them what we needed, what they needed, historical evidence to believe what they saw are to believe what they were teaching. They're not teaching something they don't know. They have evidence that this is true. They know that Jesus rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul tells us this. Look at verse 3 through 7. 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and the last he appeared to me also, this Paul, remember, on the Damascus Road as one abnormally born. He didn't get to see Jesus face to face in the flesh. So I want you guys to know this. The disciples needed to know that they knew, that they knew, that they knew without any doubt that Jesus was alive. If that wasn't true, then, then he is not with us today. 
We do not have what we need to be able to walk out in this world and be able to have, make a difference and bless this world as a Christian community. We need to know that we know that we know. So we have historical proof. Okay, don't let anybody cause you to doubt that Jesus is real. Sometimes we think that Jesus is like, I think in our minds, if we don't engage our minds, we think Jesus is like Santa Claus. Some people believe he's real, some people don't. You know, or he's like, uh, you know, whoever. He, is he real, is he not real? Jesus is real. There's historical proof. Okay, just like we know that uh, Paul Revere is real. We never saw him, but we know he's real because there's historical proof. People, lots of people saw him and testified to the fact that he was real. Historians, biblical historians, uh, speak of him. Historians in biblical times that were not believers speak about the truth of who Jesus was and that he, that he rose from the dead. He's real, okay? And we need that. Jesus knows if he's going to set the stage, part of setting the stage for a spiritual uh, awakening or a, 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 an explosion of, of spiritual life is that the disciples needed to know that Jesus was real and we need the same thing. The first thing Jesus does to set the stage is to give us a foundation of gospel truth. That though he was dead, now he's alive. Okay, We need to know that. So for us, it's historical. There's nothing more than that. How does that apply to the church called the gathering place? Here's how it applies. It's, his, it's a historical fact. Accept it. Believe it. Don't let... Uh, well-meaning, ignorant people try to tell you that Jesus is, did not rise from the dead. He is alive. Truth. Okay? We need that. Alright, second thing. Verses 4 and 5. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, that my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. Remember in John chapter 14 and 15, Jesus said, and 16, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you, the Comforter, and He will guide you to all truth. He will take what is mine and give it to you. We talked about it last week. All right? Jesus told them about this prior to His crucifixion, and now after His resurrection, He's saying the same thing. In a few days, He says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here's some of the things He said. We need this, we need this word. Y'all ready, church? He's setting the stage for us. Number one, or for us. Number two, don't leave Jerusalem. In the face of possible suffering and persecution and death, don't leave Jerusalem. They just killed Jesus, and they were looking for every, everybody that, that had anything to do with him. The disciples all ran, knowing that if they were connected to Jesus when he was arrested, that they would die with him, and nobody died with him. They, they ran when they, when they arrested him, and they still want to run. So Jesus gives them this word. Don't run. Don't run. You don't leave Jerusalem. It's happening here. It's happening in this place. It's happening. What I'm going to do through you needs to happen right here. Do not run. If we don't need that word today, we don't need any word today. When persecution comes, when trials come, when floods come, when sickness comes, when the threat of death comes, don't run. 
We have no need to run. Jesus is resurrected. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. He's with us. We need to stay with him. How many times in your life, I mean, this is what the enemy does to us. When trials or problems come into our lives, the first thing that Satan whispers in our ear, get away from God. Don't spend time with him. Don't read the word. Don't pray. Don't be around believers. Run. Get out. Get away. Am I right? Y'all believe that? Say, oh yeah. Y'all feel that? Get away. You don't want to have anything to do with God. You're mad at God. God did this to you. Lie after lie after lie to get us to run away from God. It's no wonder that the disciples needed Jesus to come and say, do not leave Jerusalem. All right? Third thing, wait for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Jesus is telling the disciples, don't begin the work until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, for those of you who think you're powerful enough, disciples, which I don't think it was any of them, they were scared to death. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Good. That's probably their response, right? Maybe Peter, though. After he saw Jesus rose from the dead, all right, let's go get him. I'm ready. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Churches are always so ready to work without waiting on the Holy Spirit. Listen, I did it for a decade of ministry. I worked without the Holy Spirit. I would not wait on the Holy Spirit. I was determined to, to go whatever, whatever way would seem to be successful in man's eyes, whatever would draw attention to myself and make me look good and make the, the church look good. I was willing to go in that direction. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Churches today are so used to not waiting on the Holy Spirit that they have no clue what it means. That they, we're at the point we don't even believe the Holy Spirit is real. How little have you heard about the Holy Spirit in mainstream evangelical churches growing up? Most of you have come from a Baptist background or Methodist background. How much did you hear about the Holy Spirit? Satan has robbed us of this truth. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We're, we're so, we all know that we're doing stuff that's our ideas, our brainchilds. We get the success and we get the results and we get the credit. So Jesus is saying clearly to the disciples, if I'm setting the stage, and setting the stage means, okay, you see me, I'm alive. All right, got that. All right, stay here. I have a place for you. Church, this is our place. God put us here. Y'all, everybody knows that. I mean, literally, even the, the building that we're in was one block away from the place that God told us to go, the, the community that we're in. We're here. God put us here. The place. You're in the right place, guys. Don't leave. And wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare take off and try to start doing stuff without me. And you know what has screwed up the world more than anything else? I'm talking about the lost world around us. Is Christian people, leaders like myself, doing stuff that brings credit to us, getting outside and and trying to grow something in our own power to make something happen instead of waiting on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not even in what I was doing. When I finally started connecting with what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do, I had to change everything. I just finally got to the place I said, God, nothing is sacred anymore. I I give up. All of it is blank pages. You start writing in what you want. Y'all with me? Man, what a great day when we finally did that as a church. We believe that. We embrace that. But it's not done. He's just setting the stage. But part of setting the stage is the fact that we are 
as a church, not only are we determined to wait on the Holy Spirit, we are determined that every person in this body knows how to hear from the Holy Spirit. That you wait and you learn and you read and you pray and you abide in Christ and when God speaks, then you move. Because the only way we're going to do that as a body is as each one of us individually does it. Okay, it's just setting the stage, but we've done that. We, we have joined God in that way. We've, as a church, we have, God has given us a book to read. He's given us a, a, a language to speak called abiding. You know, we are abiding in Christ, and we know what that means. And it, it, very specifically, as a church, we know that it means hearing from God, obeying what he says. And then the fruit will be produced, which is God does what only God can do, and we get to know him by experience. Right? We, that is... Focusing on the Holy Spirit. We, we say in everything that we talk about, we are totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit for every aspect of abiding. So we're on the long journey, church, of waiting on the Holy Spirit to form in our hearts and then empower a church that longs to do His will. We, we are waiting for God to form our hearts to long to do His will. That's a long process, right? Because, you know, we even, when, we, when we get determined to do God's will, that's not the right thing. It's when our, it was in our hearts to, to know Him through obedience. That's the right thing. When all of us, the stages we go through, as God forms our hearts, He grabs our hearts. And ultimately, He's going to do that. And I believe we're there. I believe the stage is set. I believe our church, those of you that have been with us long enough to know, about abiding in Christ and you've been experiencing God in your life and you've been walking with Him and you know Him, I think the time is now. I think God has set the stage in our church the same way He did with the disciples. He gave us a, found, a historical foundation. He has come to us. He's told us where to be. And His Holy Spirit, He's helped us to know the significance of walking in His Holy Spirit. We refuse as a church, as elders, we refuse to do anything that God doesn't lead us to do. We are not looking for good ideas. We are looking for God ideas. God will define us or we won't do it. We're not going to walk in it. And God's been so faithful to do that for us. And God can do something powerful with a group, with a body of believers who's willing to walk with Him in that way because He gets all the credit for it. It's not us at all. So let God do that in your personal life. Continue to walk in that. Practice that. Abide in Christ, church. All right, next way he sets the stage. Verses 6 and 7. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to at this, at this time restore the kingdom of, to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father uh, has set by his own authority. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point, church, but I thought it was worth saying because I think part of waiting is to change our focus. Part of waiting on the Holy Spirit is to change our focus. Instead of looking for the final act of God, looking for the final work of God, we just, we just focus on Christ. We're not focused on results. We're not focused on where God's leading us to. We're just focusing on God who's leading us. Everybody get that? It's a very different focus. When we get our eyes looking ahead and trying to figure out when's it going to end and what, when we're going to see this big explosion, this spiritual explosion, then we will never see it. And the disciples needed to know it's not your problem. It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by His own authority. 
just know he has those dates set. He has work he's going to do. There is a spiritual explosion. There's an awakening that's coming. Now, the next way he sets the stage. Jesus gave them all the facts that they needed to hold on to while they waited. And then in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, this is coming. Here's all the facts you need to know while you're waiting. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. Church, God promised us before we ever started the experiment called the gathering place that we would receive power to be witnesses when the Holy Spirit would come upon us. If we would wait on His Spirit, that we would receive power and we would be His witnesses. And it wouldn't just be local, that it would expand to Judea, Samaria, uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Starting Jerusalem, which is here, but moving out. God promised that for us. We've done the best that we know to communicate the significance of us walking in obedience to God's leading every moment of every day. Not only taught that the Holy Spirit is real, but we've taught that He must be in control if we're ever going to know the character of God. But then ultimately, I've held on to a promise for over 10 years that God was going to move His witness, this testimony of the person of God, the reality of who He is, the beauty of who He is, the glory of God would be transferred from our lives through our natural everyday living through our connections with people who are lost and wandering, that he would transfer that to those people. God was setting the stage by giving the disciples the facts that they needed to hold on to. The Holy Spirit's coming. The power is there. And you will be my witnesses. And God was setting the stage for us by giving us the facts that we needed to hold on to while we waited for this moment. Church, I see it exactly the same. I think... This is the moment. The moment is here. There is a church in, in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. There's a church, a body of believers, like-minded believers, who are walking in the Spirit's power, willing to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in every aspect of life. Not perfectly, we're going to sin as we do it, but we are, we are determined in our hearts to walk in the Spirit's way. That means God has a church that's ready to be used. The stage is set in that way. Now, the final two things that happened happened in chapter 2. You're familiar with the story, but let's talk about these two things, and then we're done with setting the stage. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, as they were told, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, much like the air conditioning is filling this room right now. A violent wind came in, They saw what seemed to be, they saw with their eyes, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the disciples obeyed the words of the resurrected Christ. They stayed in Jerusalem. They gathered together in an upper room, over 120 of them in an upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit. 
They did that. And just 10 days later, after Jesus left their presence and, and was uh, trans transcended, when he ascended to the Father, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit comes to that upper room. They waited. They didn't do anything but just wait on the Holy Spirit. But 10 days later, the next part of the big set, setup happened. The Holy Spirit shows up. He shows up with physical manifestations. And he, he fills the room with this violent wind, which would be very strange for all of us if there was not fans in here. And all of a sudden, this, this room was filled. Your hats were blowing everywhere. Your glasses got blown off. Our kids were blowing around. We were holding them out. You know, it was a twister kind of thing, and cows are flying. That kind of violent wind was going on in this upper room. Much like this, 120 people. About, room about this size, filled with people. The Holy Spirit comes in and blows that place. It's a physical manifestation. They needed to know that the Holy Spirit arrived. And then they saw a tongue of fire fall on each person visible, a tongue of fire. We'll never see that again. It happened once. A visible tongue of fire. And it fell on each person so that they would know that every person in the room, every child of God in the room was now filled with the Holy Spirit. Is a visible manifestation of fire which represented the Holy Spirit that came down and went into that person. And why a tongue? Because they were going to be, you're going to be my witnesses so the Holy Spirit comes in and in a tongue and comes into each person. It's not a weird occurrence. It's necessary. Those disciples needed to know the Holy Spirit came. Just like they needed to know that Jesus was resurrected and see him, they needed to know the Holy Spirit was real. So the Holy Spirit comes. They each had their own, listen, just a few more minutes, church. They each had their own physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their life. We are not exempt from that. What I love about this church is I hear story after story after story of how you have obeyed God and you have a physical manifestation. God does something. You, know, you obey God in your finances and the Holy Spirit comes in and does something impossible in your finances. You obey God in your relationship with your spouse and, and God, it's crazy. And then God comes in and fixes your marriage. Physical manifestation. Something you could see, touch, feel, hear. You have an addiction. You commit it to God. You walk with Him in obedience. And He comes in and takes that addiction away. Miraculously. It's a physical thing. We've all, look, story after story. If I stopped right now and you were not so bashful, what could go around to each person at the gathering place? Each of you that are members of this church have been with us any time. And you have physical manifestations of what abiding in Christ has shown you about God in your experience. It's just not true in churches today. I want it to be. I know because I've been in churches all over the world. I, I was a leader in the denomination in the country. I've been in every kind of church you can think of. The most powerful and lifted, the churches that are lifted up as being the best churches. And this does not exist. We are not waiting for the Holy Spirit to move and work and, and experiencing Him in our lives. And, and it's all head knowledge or it's all actions of our own. But we have determined to walk in the Spirit and we have our own personal manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I love it when some of you get your first experience with God. When you obey God and He comes in and does something and He just shows off. 
You know, when you, you, you don't even think that God can speak to you, and all of a sudden he says something, you go like, whoa. God's real. But you got to have that. We have had that. Each of us have had that. If I, were to, if I were to be able to visibly see it in this room, I would be able to see like they did, tongues of fire falling on each person. I see the Holy Spirit in you. I see your experiences. I verify with you, agree with you, that your experiences are from God. It is God. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and so are we. Church, we're ready. The stage is set. We fall into the same categories, these 120 in the upper room. Now, some of you haven't had those experiences with God yet, but they're waiting for you right now. now God, is want, God is desperately wanting to give you your own experiences with Him. All you need to do is abide in Him, and He will show, he will show up in your life. God has, a set, has us set up. He's given most of us, if not all of us, his personal experiences with the Spirit through our obedience. If not in our personal lives, definitely we've seen him do that in our church life. And at this stage, the disciples knew that the Holy Spirit was inhabiting them. And until you know that you know that you know the Holy Spirit is in you and has filled you, then we don't really have anything for the nations. We don't have anything for this community. But once we know the stage is set, everything's in place, and we've gained so much knowledge of the Lord by experience as a church, as individuals, we are confident that He is the answer to life, that He is the one that's going to fill life with meaning and purpose and joy and abundance. But there's one final element in this setup for the disciples. And this one's so important for us to notice, church. Listen, don't miss it. Don't miss it. One verse, and the setup is complete for their community to form. The type of community that we're going to be studying in the book of Acts that was that caused an explosion that God used to bring about a spiritual explosion, an awakening that has never stopped, that we need to join and be a part of because we are set up. The type of, this is the type of community we're asking God to form here. Look at it in verse 5. That's it. We're stopping in 5. It's hard to do, but we're going to stop there. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Period. Don't forget, man, the, the big part of a setup or any kind of spiritual awakening or any kind of an explosion of spiritual life in a community is a community. A group of people who have never experienced God the way that we're talking about. Who have never come to know God as personal and real and powerful and loving and caring. As the one that brings joy and peace and patience and kindness. Who, gives us, who shows us his faithfulness and loves us regardless of our sin. Gives us grace and mercy. They're people. God brought people into the community to hear truth. He brought them together in Jerusalem which is why they stayed there. Because there were people from every nation, uh, uh, that, uh, every known nation that was, that was available around shows up in this one place, Jerusalem. Jews. The people that would spread the message of Christ. They all showed up here. And they had their encounter with God. They found out the Holy Spirit was real. They, they had their own experience, which we'll talk about next week, with God and the Holy Spirit. That, and then they took it to, to all the world. He brought them together. 
he brought them to his disciples. They're already here. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine who has a church. He was discouraged because he doesn't have a lot of strong Christians. And what he meant by strong Christians were people that are churchmen who know the ways of the church, know what an offering plate is, know what an offering envelope is and a Sunday school role is and what a committee is. <laughs> I thought... I don't want them. You can have them all, bro. If, I, if they come here, I'll send them to you. Churchmen. You know, we are not asking God to send people to this building. We're asking God to complete the setup by putting people around us. The church is people. It's you. It's you. It's the, and, and who is it that... God has put around you. Did God bring somebody into your life in the same way that he brought people into the disciples' lives? It's not going to be a crowd of people. God's not going to bring a crowd of people to, to Alexandria and put us on a street corner to preach. Probably not. But he is bringing the masses around you, where you work, where you go to school, where you eat, where you do life, where you drink your coffee. They're already there. Everything is set up. We have everything we need to see this spiritual explosion happen, to see spiritual life fill the people of this community so that they have something to live for, so that when trial comes in their life, like it's coming in our lives, that they have a reason to live, that they're not giving up hope, they, know, they have a person walking in with them through life, that they're not overwhelmed and lost. They're not out there trying to figure things out for themselves. There's an answer. In the same way that you got the answer and it just filled your heart, that answer needs to be given to the people that are around you. So let's pray. Let's pray and ask God to complete this work. The stage is set. All the things that are necessary are there for us. We've experienced this as a church. We believe this as a church. You have no limitations here to be able to walk with God in this way, only encouragement. And we're going to learn how to be a community that blesses. All right, we're going to learn how to do this. We're going to look at this church in Acts. We're going to look at what they did. We're going to learn how to do community, do it well, in a way that's a testimony to the world around us that draws them in so that they want to come in and be a part of God and what he's doing. Not because they want to come in and be a part of something cool, they want to come in and be a part of God and what he's doing. All right. Let's pray. Father, we want your spirit to fill us in this way. We want to be a people who recognize, Lord, that we've been set up like the disciples did. I, don't, I know they were surprised at the way that you came and by the details of that experience. Father, when you showed up, they knew it was you. God, you gave them evidence, and you've given us evidence. We have all the proof that we need in the testimony of the disciples and the 500, over 500 that saw you. We have the historical evidence that we need to see a spiritual explosion happen in this community, in this 
parish, in a state that can start right here in this little room with a few of the most unsuspecting people. Father, we ask you to do that. Thank you for, for dying on the cross and thank you that you rose from the dead and you're alive and you're with us. Father, we are not going to leave this place. As long as you have us here, we're here. You've given us a place to serve. You've given us a town and a, a village, a community, a parish to live in, to work in. We have waited on your Holy Spirit to show us where to go, and you've done that. You've shown us. We're here. And your Holy Spirit has filled us, God. We thank you for that. That we're not worried about the future. We're, we just want now, God. We want, we're, we're not waiting. Uh, while we're waiting, we're not trying to, to look ahead. We're looking at now. So God, fill us with your Spirit. We're committed to that as a church. We have our promise, God, that you're going to fill us with power, the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk with you, and you're going to give us personal experiences that will help us to make sense of the Holy Spirit in our own lives and know that he is in us. And Father, you put people around us. And so we are ready. We're ready, God, to be a community that blesses. We're ready. Church, say that in your heart to the Lord. If it's your testimony to the Lord today and your prayer to Him, say it. I'm ready. Have your way, Lord, with us. We, we are your church. And we love you. In Jesus' name.